December 18th. We're a week from Christmas 2023, and we're coming at you from the Scotiabank Saddledome. This hour of Flames Talk with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com, and Pat Steinberg is underway. Happy Monday, Vicks. How we doing? I'm not doing too bad. Last Monday before? I guess well, Christmas, Christmas is, is Monday, next Monday, yeah. so, so last so Monday before Christmas. Exactly yeah. a week from Christmas. Um, and it is a Monday night showdown between Calgary and Florida. You know what that means. Here at the Dome, uh, everybody's going to be talking about the trade between the Panthers and the Flames from about 18 months ago in July of 2022. You know what trade we're referring to. The text line's open at 960-960 if you want to jump in on this conversation on a Monday edition of Flames Talk. Let's talk about the three main particulars here. And uh, that's no disrespect to Cole Schwint, but we're talking about Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, and Matthew Kachuk as the particulars on this trade. Those are the three that uh, we've been talking about ever since that deal got made in July of 2022. And let's start with Jonathan because we know what the narrative is surrounding Huberdo. Um, he spoke Monday ahead of the game. He knows he's struggling. He knows what the narrative is surrounding his play right now. Vicks, uh, he enters this game against the Panthers with no points in eight consecutive. He's on pace for less than 40 points this season. Uh, the 39-ish points that he's on pace for right now would be the lowest he's ever had in an 82-game season. Uh, he knows what's being said about him. He knows what the situation is. Here's uh, Jonathan Huberdeau Monday morning talking about playing his former team and uh, it gets interesting near the end of his conversation with us from Monday. And third time Jonathan is it still is it still give you butterflies a little bit to play these guys or? Yeah it's always a you know a little special than than other teams but I think it's more special playing in, in the in their buildings than than here but uh, yeah I mean obviously it's almost a team that I was with a long time so it's always a little bit more special but Got to come out with the win for us. So. It was an emotional time when the whole trade happened and everything after that. Where are you now with processing the emotions from moving from Florida to here? Yeah, I think that that's that's over with. It's in, it's in the past, and like I said, I think it's you know it's it's a little more special. But I think it's like it's more when I'm gonna go there. I think it's it gets you know more the the memories that, that when you play there. But playing here against it, it's, it just feels like a you know a regular regular game against another team. How would you assess your game of late, Jonathan? I mean, you probably know, know how it is. Obviously, the, offensively, it's not not going my way. But, um, you know, I think we've been, as a team, we've been playing way better. So just trying to get in there and, you know, work work hard every day. And hopefully that's, um, I'm going to get some points on the board. So what do, you, what do you think you have to do to start getting going offense? I think I'm, you know, we're getting chances. I just feel they're not going in. So, I mean, but my line mates, you know, creating some stuff, getting points to Colsey has been, has been red hot. So, it's good to see that, and I think you know it's gonna be my turn at some point. So, Jonathan, do you look back at clips or anything from your Florida days for sort of clues on what made you such a dangerous offensive player that 
I used to a little bit, but I think we're a different kind of team here. You know, play, playing different system a little bit. And so I think it's more on me to, to, to find a way, but I don't think I want to, you know, obviously go back and try to sing a little bit of stuff. But I think for now it's just to, to be here and kind of, you know, a little different role around here and then play hard, play better defensively. Do you feel any sort of different pressure with the contract? Well, um, not really. I mean, obviously, I think uh, I've earned this contract, but it's obviously you still got to earn it after that. But uh, it's uh, I don't. I try not to put pressure. You know, it, it hasn't been easy, so I try not to think about the contract. So that's Jonathan Huberdo from Monday and Vix. I thought that was. Really interesting. Those last two questions from Flames Talk fan member Wes Gilbertson were, were really interesting. Uh, that, that last part, a really interesting response. I earned the contract, but I still, or, or you have to keep earning it, were the words yeah. there from Jonathan Huberdeau. And I know he says that he tries not to put pressure on himself, but I think even just those those words right there and, and understanding what the contract is, I earned it, but I have to keep earning it. I think that in and of itself, I, I don't think there's any doubt that there has to be pressure that is weighing on him from signing the largest contract in franchise history, from being one of the highest paid players in the NHL. So I, I, I think as much as he's really tried, and we know that he worked with a sports psychologist over the summertime as as much as he's really tried I think to dial back or alleviate the pressure that might be on him because of the contract I I would imagine it's almost impossible to be able to do that I don't know what would weigh on me more as a player having signed that contract and then struggling at least from a production standpoint to live up to it or simply just going from the highest single point total drop year over year in NHL history. I think the actual contract, I could probably park a little bit. I'd be more concerned as a player about why, what has changed in my game or why is this happening to the point where I had 50 some odd points my first year in Calgary after having 115, setting an NHL record by points by a left winger, if I'm, I'm remembering that stat no, correctly, yep. to having that 50-whatever-point season to coming in in year two and producing even less. And it, it, it's baffling to a degree. What I find more, I mean, this is more recent history, but you mentioned he's gone eight straight without a point. During that time, his line mate, Blake Coleman, as he mentioned, has eight points in that stretch. Yep. His center, Michael Backlund, has four. How, as the third member of that line, I understand there's special teams involved, but how, as the third member of that line, do you come away with not even a secondary assist in that stretch? And it just highlights the bigger picture of Jonathan Huberto in the first year of an eight-year, $84 million contract not being able to produce as he's paid to. So, yeah, I can understand the financial aspect of I've got the largest contract in franchise history and I'm on pace for... 11 goals and 40 points. I'm, I'm going to round up. It's 39.6 is what he's on pace for, so I'm going to round it up to 40. But in my mind, I'm going, okay, well, the money's the one thing. The other thing is, let's just get to the root of the issue here because for a second year in a row, my production is declining year over year at what I would call an alarming rate after being north of a point-per-game player, not just the season where he hit 115, but like the four or five seasons prior. So like this... I understand the weight of a of a massive contract can potentially you know something. Paul Maurice kind of joke. He's never he doesn't know what to say to a player. He was just asked this question generally. It wasn't about Jonathan Huberto because as we know, the three guys in that deal all signed new contracts. But Paul Maurice kind of joked. 
I don't know what I'd say to a to a ten million dollar player because nobody's ever given me ten dollars or ten million dollars. Yeah. So I I can't necessarily speak to okay I'm I maybe I'm too easily parking the financial aspect, but for me as a player, I would just be like, what is happening to my game? more than what is happening to my game relative to the money that I'm making. Well, I, I don't think there's any doubt that cause it's it's a straight-up concerning trend, and I, I think the organization is extremely concerned As about they it. should because be, because that ties up a lot of cap. That's whether the cap goes up or doesn't go up. Well, the cap will go up, but even as it goes up, still having $10.5 million tied up and you're not getting the type of production you expected or anything close to it yeah it, it is a concerning trend if if you're the flames organization so i think that that is only natural i think that it's concerning for jonathan because he came here wanting to um he came here really wanting to make an impact yeah really wanting to be a a big part of a turnaround and them being um competitive so i yeah i think somebody texted in do you feel any pressure from this contract that we bring up every single time we talk to you? It's like, yeah, I don't think there's and, – and I don't think it's wrong that we ask him about the struggles on, on a regular basis because that's part of what we're here to do. We're yep. not – like that – what is everybody talking about outside of the Flames? Is one of the main topics since Jonathan Huberdeau first got here and since he first started playing for the Flames, the, the relative struggles – yeah, it is, and that's not to say that we're trying to pile on. I want nothing but this story to turn around for two reasons. First of all, we get tired of talking about it, and it would be nice for that narrative to change just from a selfish variety standpoint. Yep. And the other side of it is that the guy is a straight-up pro and is a straight-up, stand-up, A-plus human being, and I want nothing but the best for him and would love nothing more than for him to have to stop talking about this and addressing this all the time. But it is the number one, or if not the number one, one of the top topics and biggest storylines surrounding this team, not because Pat and Vickers and Derek and everybody else make it that way, because it's what fans aren't dumb. We, they don't need Pat and Aaron to tell them that Jonathan Huberto is struggling. They know, they see, and so, yeah, it's one of the biggest topics surrounding this team, and so we're not bringing it up to pile it on. We're bringing it up because it remains what people are talking about right now. Well, yeah, and you, as you mentioned, you'd like to see him snap out of it just from a from a human standpoint where it's these aren't robots that are hitting the ice. You're not playing NHL 2K4 or whatever it happens to be now. I, you know, I'm a throwback to the old SNES days, so we'll just go NHL 93. But he's got to come out every third or fourth day and basically answer the same line of questions over and over again about what's going wrong. And if somebody did that to me at my job, probably wouldn't be helpful, but at the same time, you can't ignore it either. And this is what comes with the business. This is what comes with the contract. This is what comes with being a high-profile player. So, yeah, you'd love from an individual standpoint, as you highlighted, to see this kind of break and, and get back to more of the point-per-game variety player that we've seen, not the guy that's looking at a 75-point drop from two seasons ago to this year, you just you kind of feel for it. You can be sympathetic to it, but at the same time, you still have to ask them the questions about what have you tried, what haven't you tried, so on and so forth, what's, what's bugging you, what's ailing you, and the long and the short of it is probably if I knew it would have been fixed by now. A few other texts before we move to the Matthew Kachuk 
side of the conversation. This reads, give him time. I know that's hard to say, but look at Jeff Skinner. His contract looked terrible, but it's been okay lately. He'll come around. Uh, this says, uh, could you elaborate more on the differences between Florida and Calgary systems that Huberdeau is referring to? Seems more of an excuse. That comes from Tyson. I just think if you go back and look at Andrew Burnett's, specifically yes. Andrew Burnett's Florida Not Panthers, um, it was a very, like, it was a lot of stretch passes. It was a lot of everybody activating. Gun. It was a lot of, yeah. We're, we're, he was more than happy to win a game 6-5, and not a lot of coaches are like that. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think that was ever the intent, like the, but it was a very high-octane yes. offensive brand of hockey. At the expense there of was, some defensive responsibilities. Well, I think if you look back, if you look back at that season, they were one of the highest event teams, period, uh, in the NHL. I, I believe that they were number one or two in shot attempts for, and I think middle of the pack in shot attempts against, um, because they, as you mentioned... They were first in goals for that season at 340. Yeah. Toronto was second at 315. Yeah. So they outscored the next closest team by 25. That's a third of a goal a game. Yeah, they, uh, they they were an extremely high octane offense, and they played a lot of north south, and they played a lot of just as as you said, run and gun. And when we say that, it was just all pointed north, and it was all about quick in transition, and it really played to Jonathan Huberto's strengths of being able to spot people on the fly, use his deceptive playmaking and his cerebral playmaking to find guys on the rush, to find blue liners pinching in. Uh, uh, he was very good at doing that, and his ability on the rush with the puck on his stick crossing the blue line to find somebody else was next-level elite, and that's not necessarily under Daryl Sutter or under Ryan Huska what this Flames team has been about. So it has been an adjustment. I don't think it's... I don't think that's Jonathan trying to make an excuse, but I do think it's something that at $10.5 million and having put up 115 points in this league that you should also be able to figure out. Um, this says... Um, why is it that when the Flames trade with the Panthers, the return never comes as advertised? I'm looking at Oli Jokin and Jay Bomeister and now Jonathan Huberdeau. Madden Cochran sends that. Sends that. Only thing I'll say is that Jay Bomeister was as advertised in every single game he played as a member of the Calgary Flames. I will go to my grave defending Jay Bomeister as a member of the Flames because I thought he was as advertised, exactly what they needed, and uh, one of the best two-way defensemen in the NHL. As a member of the Flames, we don't have time for that, so we'll <laughs> do that another time. Um, okay, let's move to Matthew Kachuk. Career best season last year. Even best his 104 points from the year before in Calgary. And then, of course, he is the driving force of a trip to the Stanley Cup final for the Florida Panthers, a team that made the playoffs very, very late. And then they go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. They upset the best regular season team in NHL history along the way. They knock off the Toronto Maple Leafs, who had finally gotten over the hump and then win one game in <laughs> round two. Uh, and then they ran into the buzzsaw that was the Florida Panthers. Uh, sorry, the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Final. Um, now, Panthers are 18-10-2 to start the season. Matthews at five goals and 21 points in 30 games after his career season last year. As you'll hear here from Matthew Kachuk, however, as he spoke Monday at the Saddledome as well, it's uh, all about team success for him and the Panthers right now. Does it feel like just another game, or does it feel like there's a little more to it? No, I mean, there's there's a little more to it, obviously, for me. Um, last year, it all happened, like, really fast. It was a back-to-back, -back, so um, this year, I, uh, 
yeah, we had yesterday and uh, have tonight and then leave tomorrow. So there's a few more nights in uh, in the city. So it's uh, it's good to be back and see some of the old familiar faces and places. And um, yeah, just a lot of great memories here. So it'll always be fun to come back here. You mentioned those memories. What stands out for you personally that you think about either on or off the ice? Uh, I think the obvious one is like just growing up here basically and, and becoming like an NHL or becoming like a, a man and um, just some like the most amazing like relationships with people that were, were built here and so many great people in the city and um I, I think on ice it's it's really hard to beat johnny's game seven goal um that was uh probably one of the most uh amazing nights and um just seeing everybody in the buzz in the city and so um playoff hockey here is uh is a lot of fun so um see if uh, these guys get back here this year we heard uh, about the injuries after the cup run and you were battling through them that's been well documented but how much did those injuries kind of linger into this year not that you're going to make it as an excuse but i'm sure you were still playing no not much feeling uh i've been feeling pretty good this year um all things considered feel way better now than i was during that second half and in playoffs last year so i'm just kind of trying to build my game and um, obviously, offensively hasn't been there for me this year, but my team's been unbelievable around me, and that's all that matters. I think that's what's so great about our team is the buy-in, and um, I think just going through what we did last year, like there, there's so much belief in what we're building here, and not one person is more important than the next. Or you know, I'm not going to give up, um, you know, what we're trying to build here to try to cheat for a little bit more offense. It's not, it's not the way it works here right now, and um, we've built a an unbelievable culture and people really want to come down there people really want to play it and be a part of it so uh that's what i'm very proud about what did that run do for you uh, you know that was last year i know but in terms of experience in terms of uh, rounding you as a player knowing that you and your team uh, could could go on those runs what did that do for you personally i think personally it, you said it like rounded me out as a player and and really just made me realize like what what winning is about and what Obviously, I don't know what it takes to win a Stanley Cup because we didn't, but I know now what it takes to get there and what it takes to be a part of a long playoff run and the grind and the rest and the, I don't know, busting your ass for 60 minutes or maybe longer and then have a day and a half to just do everything you can to recover so you can do it again. It's it's a, it's a crazy time, and um, I'm going to be honest, like going going into last year's playoff run, I, maybe I thought I knew what it was like, but I had no idea, so now I do where are you at with processing emotions from the way everything unfolded last year with the trade and, and, and telling Tree that he wanted to leave and joining a new city? I, I just would like to know where you're at with that. I'm I'm in a great spot mentally, and I'm enjoying every single uh, every single day. And um, I'm surrounded by great people. I uh, get to play in a in a great hockey town that has just gained so much buzz since last season, and and even at the beginning of last season so um it's very similar to you know I feel very loved in that city now and or honestly since I got traded there it's been it's been unbelievable way more than I ever thought it could be so I felt very similar love like I did for my six years here and uh just like I, I feel like I've had a perfect uh other than winning a Stanley Cup hopefully you can get that very soon but um I feel like I've I've had a very perfect setup and getting to play in Canada getting to play in this great city and and now uh playing in Florida. 
That's Matthew Kachuk from Monday after Florida's morning skate. Panthers are in town to take on the Flames. Doesn't seem too worried about his point totals. No. Um, and, and you know, you've got guys like Sam Reinhardt and Alexander Barkov, Carter Verhage, even look at what Evan Rodriguez is doing uh, in Florida. They, they've got guys to pick up the slack. And, you know, I, I really do think that Matthew is just fine with only having 21 points in 30 games. It'll probably come for him as the season goes along, too. You don't go back-to-back having 104 and 110, and then, I mean, yeah, you might have a down year offensively, but it'll it'll start to pop for him at some point. Um, there's there's no question he's the best player in the trade so far. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's all that surprising. When the deal was made, at least for me, when the deal was made, it was, okay, the the best player in the trade probably went to Florida. The youngest guy with the highest ceiling who still has room to grow. And a unicorn in the style of game that he Yeah, plays. just like an, an absolute unicorn of a hockey player, no question. The, the Panthers got that, and what the Flames got were two players that were very good. They got the pick, they got the prospect, um, and, and they were able to make a, a pretty significant trade kind of backed against the wall knowing the situation uh, they were in with with Matthew deciding he wasn't going to sign beyond uh, his his one year left that he owed them so the fact that Matthew has been the best player in this trade so far and has had the most success his contract at nine and a half million dollars looks just fine. Um, that's that's not really a surprise when you analyze the way this trade shaped up. Well, and when you help your new team to a Stanley Cup final in your first year, you're given a lot of leeway. You're given a lot of allowance from a production standpoint. And it's kind of funny. Huberto went from 115 to 55. Kachuk is on pace to go from 109, which is six fewer, to 58, which is three more. So that's only a nine-point swing. So you want to talk about year over year, and that's assuming Matthew Kachuk doesn't go on a heater. But in listening to Paul Maurice, he couldn't be any less interested or concerned about the point total from Matt Kachuk. He said he's a much better player now than a year ago when he was a 40-goal scorer and had 109 points. He also kind of stressed, though, that outside of Sam Reinhardt, he couldn't tell you the order of uh, points for his players. Like, he has no care, no concern, no worry. He's not worried about production. He's worried about how you're physically playing out on the ice, regardless of outcome for goals, assists, points. And I think that lends to the credence of him believing that Matthew Kachuk is a much better player now from a 200-foot perspective than he was a year ago. And so you want to circle this all back. And, yeah, he's still the best player in that trade. He's the most unique, as you mentioned, still has the most upside. Um, he's cashed in on a lot of that upside over the course of the last year, again, going to the Stanley Cup final with the Florida Panthers. I don't think there's really anybody that's willing to go 10 rounds with you on a debate about who the best player yeah. was out of that deal. Yeah, and, and I don't think that anybody's surprised by that either. Um, and, you know, you take a look at what... Matthew did in the playoffs, he finally bucked a massive uh, monkey off his back as well. 24 points in 20 games. He was, he was, had, had the Panthers won the Stanley Cup, he would have been the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, no questions asked. The big goals he scored in the Carolina series, total. Um, the overtime winners he scored, like he was, he was outstanding. And, and I think that when it's all said and done, when we look back at this, Matthew will remain the best player in this trade. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But then 
then there is the final guy that we haven't talked about, and that is Mackenzie Weger, who might be the most interesting part of this trade so far because I think Matthew has been pretty much as advertised in Florida, and we know the struggles of Huberdo in Calgary and the $10.5 million contract, but here's Mackenzie Weger, who's already tied a career high in goals, has really settled in as one of this team's best defensemen, is one of the only players on the team right now that you know what their contract status is for the long term. I mean, it's Kadri, it's Huberdo, and it's Uyghur. Who else do you have on this team that you say, yeah, yeah, I guess, I mean, Coleman's only got a few years left. Markstrom's contract is running down. Anderson's only got a couple years left. In terms of the long-term commitments, it's Uyghur, Huberdo, and Kadri on this yep. team. And, and Uyghur's the guy, the only guy on defense right now, and he's playing his best hockey as a member of the Flames, and, and he's really started to settle in. Yeah, so when that trade broke, I think the general consensus was, and I'll, I'll go on record as saying I thought this as well, the Calgary Flames were getting back a top-line forward uh, conditional first-round pick, a prospect that had either middle six or third-line upside in Cole Schwint, and in Mackenzie Weger, a defenseman that could potentially play in your top pair. And we've really seen that from post-Christmas last year, post-All-Star break last year, on towards this season. And it's funny, you want to talk about the struggles of Kachuk, at least offensively. 14 goals, 58 points is what he's on pace for. Huberto's on pace for 11 goals, 40 points. Mackenzie Weger's on pace for 21 goals and 50 points. That's absurd from a defenseman that... You know, as, as you mentioned, it's kind of, I don't want to say the overlooked part of this trade, but and I think it's amplified uh, the spotlight on Huberto because of his struggles, and maybe the struggles of Huberto have kind of put Mackenzie Weger in the shadow a little bit, at least not, not so much recently because he's got so many goals this year, but at the time and, and even through much of last season, yeah, you're right. Mackenzie Weger probably wasn't given enough of a to do that was well, and it took to him. A, it took a it little took, bit of time for him to get comfortable yeah. as well. I mean, he didn't score his first goal until New Year's Eve, and and um, I, I think had some yeah. adjustment and growing pain periods as well. And and now after now he's a, the best part of that deal of the season. Well, for the Flames, yes. no question about it. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt who the MVP of that trade is from a Calgary Flames perspective at this point. It's Mackenzie Weger, and he's again he's he ended up being that defenseman that can play in your top pair provide you over half a point per game. And like, I feel like the 21 goals are a bit of an anomaly. And if, I, I'd be kind of surprised if he cracked the 20 goal mark, considering I don't think he scored more than 14 from, you know, yeah, midget 14's, onward. 14's his career in high. In the AHL? Uh, yeah, with uh, the Springfield Thunderbirds just before he cracked an NHL roster. Yeah, so I don't think we're talking about a Mackenzie Weger that's set and forget 20 goals each season from here on out. How but many least, defensemen are there in the world that are set and forget? Kale McCarr, Eric Carlson-ish. Quinn Hughes, maybe. Quinn Hughes. Like, yeah. that's elite, elite company. And Dion yeah. Phaneuf for a little bit. There you go. Dion. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's like Mackenzie Weger has quickly become the biggest asset return yeah. for the Calgary Flames in this trade. And, and again, when you've got the youngest player – with the highest upside, Florida Florida will look at this as a win for well, them for the rest of time. As they should, because they also, let's reflect on their situation a little bit at the time too, because these two players were going to be due new contracts, and they essentially traded what would, turned out to be $17 million in contracts for two players 
into nine and a half for Matthew Kachuk, who we, again, we well, all agree is a unicorn-type player. And I give Bill Armstrong a lot of credit in, in that he felt like what Matthew Kachuk was was something that they really needed yep. after they got pumped in the playoffs the, the year before. Felt like, hey, we're missing something. And they felt like Matthew Kachuk was that. And the opportunity came about. And... He's a member of the Florida Panthers, and, you know, they've got a core locked up. They've got Barkov, they've got Kachuk, they've got, they've got a core locked up there, Ekblad, so on and so forth. They know, they know what their group is yeah. going forward, and now we'll see if the two members that the Flames got back can maybe start to turn the narrative a little bit so that, you know, while it's, I think it's always going to be a win for Florida, I think now what happens in the next seven and a half years with Uyghur and Huberdo will help determine what this is for a member of the Flames. It looks like an L as it stands right now, just based on the way Jonathan's playing, but there's still seven and a half years to go on this deal. A few texts at 969.60. Mick says, so far, come on, Pat, the Huber deal, Huberdo deal will go down alongside the Gilmore deal until another general manager panics just like Risebrow and later on Treliving did. It's an $84 million anchor. Uh, this says Kachuk's offensive game will be fine. His shooting percentage is absurdly low based on his averages. Uh, he should have roughly 10 more goals, which would put him at a respectable point per game. His shooting percentage is low. There's no doubt about it. He's 4.6%. That's very low for... Career um, average, 12.6. Yeah, that's that's not an unsustainable drop that will go the other way. Uh, he'd probably be at, at a, even if it was a 10% shooting average, he'd probably be at 10 to yeah. 15 goals so far this season. Uh, it's Pat and Vickers along with you this hour on Flamestock. We are just getting started this hour. Hey, poor Porsche Center Calgary has new inventory in stock. There's a great mix of all models, including Taycan, Cayenne, Macan, and even some sports cars. Porsche Center Calgary has unprecedented offers, like no luxury tax on 2023 Taycan models and 3.99% lease rates on 2023 and 2024 models. Plus, Macan S and GTS 2023 and 2024 models are available with 6.99% lease rates for up to 40 two months. Offers end December 31st. Visit PorscheCenterCalgary.com This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960 Sportsnet 960 The Fan all right, time now for a Monday edition of your Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. It's Steinberg. Aaron Vickers of NHL.com, and now Derek Wills joins us, the voice of the Flames here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, Wills, he's been uh, sitting here uh, listening to Vix and I talk about the Florida-Calgary trade. Uh, Monday night sees the Panthers make their only trip to uh, the Saddledome this year, which always means that, um, especially in the first few years, we're going to be talking about July 2022's Panthers Flames blockbuster and how it's looked so far 18 months later um, I'm curious as to just uh, your thoughts on on what you've heard what you heard from Jonathan Huberto and Matthew Kachuk when we played them what you heard from Vix and I or just uh, your overall feel 18 months on from that blockbuster trade yeah and I'll never forget that night I was at her wedding in Regina and uh, you poor guy. a little yeah. birdie uh, chirped in my ear that something could be happening. It was a Friday night, 
and it got to about 10 or 11 p.m., and I thought to myself, well, it's too late for anything to happen now, so I put my phone away, and then uh, my girlfriend came up to me, showed me her phone, and at first I thought it was a fake account, and then I looked, and nope, that's Elliot Friedman. Holy smokes. Uh, so it was uh, strange for me, and I'm sure for others, when that trade was made, and I know that since that trade was made, a lot of people have been hard on Brad Treleving for making it, but the reality was he had to trade Matthew Kachuk. He had no choice. Were there other opportunities? Yes, but I'm told there was really only one other really good offer, and it was an offer that probably would have pushed the Flames in a little bit different direction. And in hindsight, if you want to question whether or not they made the right deal, I think that's fair. But, you know, it's... Uh, that's the Carolina deal, by yeah, the yes, way. With yeah. Natchez, I think there was a Natchez, a first, and, and they were trying to see if Jarvis could be in there as well. I don't know if they ever got that far, though. Uh, but Natchez and a first were definitely uh, part of from what we're led to believe. Yeah, so, I mean, if you want to question now whether they should have gone down the Hurricanes Road or the Panthers Road, that's fair. But they didn't. It is what it is. I still don't think it was a terrible trade for the Flames. I know Jonathan Huberdeau has struggled and by his standards has struggled mightily in his first two seasons. There is no arguing that. He wouldn't argue that. But he's not the only guy they got. It wasn't a one-for-one deal. They got a top pairing defenseman in Mackenzie Weger, who with eight goals and 19 points in the first 31 games is on pace for a career-high 21 goals and 50 points. To put that in perspective, Matthew Kachuk with five goals and 21 points in the first 30 games, is on pace for 14 goals and 58 points. So seven less goals than Uyghur and eight more points than the Flames defenseman. So it wasn't a terrible trade. In addition, the Flames got a pretty good prospect playing pretty well for them with the Calgary Wranglers in Cole Schwinn and a first-round pick that they haven't used yet. They'll do that in 2025 if they hold on to it. So... All in all, I think it was a trade that that pick was worked. that pick was involved in the Montreal Sean Monahan potentially, right. yeah, wasn't so it? Because there's like 19 conditions on that that I don't there's understand. Conditions yeah, there, it's though. like so, it's like hanging on a wire involved yes. in that. Trade. So we'll see what happens yeah. with that. But um, the, the Flames got uh, a forward who hasn't been as productive, but he's been somewhat productive. Just not $10.5 million productive. They got a, a first-pairing defenseman who I think has been their best blue liner this season, and they got a prospect, and, and we'll see what happens with that pick. Now, last season was a great season for Matthew Kachuk. He had a career year with 109 points, was a finalist for the Hart Trophy, and helped his team get to the Stanley Cup final. And guys, if he had been closer to 100%, I wonder where that series against the Golden yeah. Knights goes because he clearly wasn't even close to being uh, healthy in that series. So they got a great player, and the Flames uh, got at least two players out of that trade. And uh, I know that Jonathan Huberto has struggled, but I asked uh, some members of the Panthers media uh, this morning at the morning skate what they're seeing. What, what's different for Jonathan Huberto wearing a Flames jersey than a Panthers jersey? And one of the things they talked about was how different the styles were comparing that Panthers team, especially that one back in 2021-2022, that team wasn't worried about playing defense. It was all offense. Let's try to win 6-5 was their mindset. Now that's changed 
under Paul Maurice, and they've been a, a way better defensive team the last couple of seasons. With the Flames, I kind of think the Flames are playing like the Panthers have since that trade was made, understanding that you can't win a Stanley Cup if you're a 6-5 type of team. Yeah, you got to win some 6-5 games, but chances are you're going to have to win more 2-1 games come the playoffs. So it's uh, a different style here in Calgary than what Huberto was playing in his last number of seasons, specifically his last season. And then they brought up Sergei Bobrovsky, who prior to getting the Panthers over the hump in the playoffs last year, everybody talked about his contract. He is the highest paid active goaltender in the NHL. Carey Price isn't active. At $10 million per. And that contract was a huge weight on Sergei Bobrovsky. But now that the Panthers got over the hump in the playoffs, no one's talking about it anymore. And he's not thinking about it or worrying about it anymore. He's going out there and playing hockey. So if Jonathan Huberto could ever get to the point where he was more comfortable playing in a a different system and and playing a different style and didn't have the massive weight of that $10.5 million per season contract kind of weighing him down, I do wonder if he can get back to being closer to the player he was. Maybe not a 115-point player like he was his last season with the Panthers, but closer to a a a point-a-game guy. Yeah, we've got the benefit of a year and a half of hindsight right now. And to go back to trade day, the Calgary Flames returned a guy that just came off a career year that had 115 points, a player that you felt could potentially play in your top pair as a defenseman, a conditional first-round pick, and a prospect that could play in your middle six, potentially third line, potentially fourth line. That's a win at that point, at that exact point. Now, again, we have the benefit of a year and a half of hindsight. We've seen, well, we haven't seen what's going to happen with the conditional first. Cole Schwinn, I think, is trending to be a third or fourth line player for this team. Mackenzie Weger is absolutely a top pairing player for this team. We just haven't seen Jonathan Huberto. And the expectation wasn't that he would come to the Calgary Flames and produce 115 points. I don't, don't get me wrong on that front. But the fact that we haven't seen the production is kind of the only thing that's holding up this trade from being a win for the Flames. And it can be a win for both teams. But right now, it just looks like a win for the Florida Panthers. The, the, guys, I don't know how it can ever be a win for the Flames unless Huberdeau's game improves. Right. Because with that contract, right? Like, yeah. Because that... It's not the trade, it's the contract. 100%. Right? And, and that... Because I, I actually think the work i i remember the i remember the reaction when the deal was made like i remember ryan leslie tweeted uh, brad true living just made a hell of a trade and it got thousands upon thousands of likes and i remember the the summer of brad t-shirts yeah i remember well, the, i don't remember the, the t-shirts but i remember the slogan the, and and i just i remember the excitement i remember i i tweeted something at the time because when the deal was made that friday night um neither huberdo nor huberdo huberdo nor Uyghur were signed yet and i just said, hey, this gives them the option to re-sign them or potentially flip them at the trade deadline. And and I remember getting people blowing up my mentions. How dare you suggest they're going to flip them at the deadline? They're going to sign these guys. And I was just like, I was just saying, these are the options that the Flames have now after making this deal. So the trade itself, yeah, I thought that they did a pretty good job in terms of just overall return that you could have gotten. You want to debate the direction they could have gone or should have gone. That's a different conversation. But just in terms of pure, raw, straight-up return, I thought they maximized a tough spot. But then you factor in yeah. the contract after that, and it, it does change the paradigm a little bit. And that's where we are right now because I can't, anyway, separate trade 
from the contract signed. And Matthew Kachuk, I think, is always going to be a win for Florida. Yeah. And the only way it isn't an L for the Flames is it. And I want Jonathan to to figure it out in the largest way. I think we're all massive fans of the dude in this room. And I think that we all know what him figuring it out could mean for the Flames, for our jobs, how much fun it would be to be talking about an 80 or 90 point Jonathan Huberdeau as opposed to what it is right now. But until if when that happens, it kind of leaves the Flames in the situation they're in right now. Yeah, and the other funny thing is, remember right after that trade, because this was not long after Johnny Gaudreau left the team in free agency and yeah. Matthew Kachuk said he wasn't interested in signing oh, yeah. a long-term extension. Uh, a lot of fans at the time said, well, sure, you traded for Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger. They're both pending UFAs. Neither guy's going to sign here, just like Johnny didn't sign here, just like Matthew didn't want to sign here. They're not signing here. And then they both signed here. And I don't remember a lot of people questioning the contract when the deal was done. It was basically the same deal that they had offered Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau. Gaudreau. Eight years, $84 million, $10.5 million per season. But hindsight is twenty twenty, And right now, it doesn't look like a good contract. I'm not sure it'll ever look like a good contract. But uh, I hope for the human being that Jonathan yeah. Huberto can figure it out. He's clearly a sensitive guy. He's clearly a guy who cares about his teammates and his team and the fans, and, and consider this, fellas. Some people are built to play in a Canadian market. Other guys aren't. Some guys, it might just take them some time to get used to it. But prior to coming to Calgary, a traditional hockey market, he played in one of the most untraditional, non-traditional under, hockey markets. Under the radar. Yeah, in the NHL. Uh, quite often, and, and media attention has picked up for the Panthers over the last the handful Stanley of Cup seasons. Run will do that for Yeah, you. that certainly helps, but and I remember being there four or five years ago where there might be one or two members of the media there covering a practice or a morning skate. That's a far cry from what he's dealt with since coming to Canada. So my fingers are crossed for him. Again, I don't think he's ever going to be a 115-point player, but I believe he has the talent to be pretty close to a point-of-game player. And I do wonder if there is a moment that snaps him out of the funk that he's been in for his season-plus year with the Flames. Every time they put him in a shootout, I wonder, is this Ryan Huska giving him an opportunity to score a big goal that could completely flip the switch for him? And I hope that there's one of those moments ahead for Jonathan Huberdeau because he's a good person, and, and I still think there's a good hockey player in there. It is our Daily Flames Roundtable with Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg on this Monday. Gents, I've had this question asked a bunch recently on, on some Flames Talk post games. Uh, a couple of times on Saturday after Connor Zary scored a huge goal to give the Flames a little more breathing room after Tampa Bay had made that game really interesting in the third period. And, you know, Connor Zary is now up to 16 points in 21 games. If, if this production level continues... This is not a question about whether we think he should be in the conversation, but more so do you think when you take a look at how awards are voted on in this league, will a you know, somewhat under-the-radar Calgary rookie like Connor Zary, will he get the recognition from some of the voters out east in the northeast United States, so on and so forth, 
to be in the Calder Trophy conversation when it's all said and done? That's the question I've seen asked a number of times. Not should he be in the Calder Trophy conversation, but will he be due to how awards are voted on? It's a great question, and I'm not sure there's any way to prove this, but I do think that because so many voters are located in the East and don't necessarily stay up to watch games that are played in the West as often as they should, I think it's harder for guys who play in the Western part of Canada or in California or in Seattle. I I do think it's harder, but... I also know that a lot of voters just look at the numbers. And if you look at the numbers, since Connor Zeri made his NHL debut on November 1st, there is one player, there is one rookie in the NHL who has more goals and more points than him. Can I guess? Well, I'll give you a hint. His name is also Connor. Oh, okay. First overall pick, Connor Bedard. Has eight goals and 20 points in 21 games since the start of November. Connor Zeri has seven goals and 16 points in 21 games since November 1st. And here's another interesting number. Connor Bedard's minus 10. Connor Zeri is plus six. So I think that if he continues to trend in the direction that he's going in, and he's put up 0.76 points per game, since he started his NHL career, that the numbers will put him in the conversation. But he has to continue to trend in the direction he's been going in. Not only is he scoring goals for the Flames, he's scoring big goals for this team. I talked to him earlier on this Monday and asked him if that 4-2 goal that he scored that really did seal the deal for the Flames in that game against the Lightning on Saturday night was the biggest goal he scored so far in his NHL career. And he said, yeah, probably. But uh, the kid's been a lot of fun to watch. And not only has individually he helped the team win hockey games, I think he's brought the best out of Nazem Kadri as well. If you look at Kadri's splits before Zeri and after Zeri, there's a big change. There's a big bump for him. I don't think, as it stands right now, there's any dispute that Connor Bedard is going to be a finalist. That's not breaking news. That's not me going out on a limb. And if the conversation is, should Connor Zeri be in the conversation, I think think he might be a little bit in tough for some of the reasons you mentioned, Pat. One name that I'll toss out there is going to be uh, Hughes out of New Jersey. He's got the name recognition. He's playing with his brother. Luke has played at over a half point per game. He's logging yeah. over 20 minutes a night for the Devils. Major so, market. Major market. So he's going to be one of those guys that's going to get a lot of eyes. What Brock Faber is doing for the Minnesota Wild is absolutely crazy. He's averaging almost 24 minutes a night at 23.59. Again, another major U.S. hockey market. Uh, he's played over 30 minutes in back-to-back games. And just from an nice time perspective, 23.59 is his average. Rasmus Anderson leads the Flames at 24.20. So he's playing 21 seconds less per night than Rasmus Anderson is for the Calgary Flames. So there is a lot of attention, a lot of focus on a rookie defenseman that plays that much. And a dark horse for me sticks with Minnesota with Marco Rossi, who's playing on a top line there, uh, 17 points in 28 games. We'll see if he sticks around and sticks into the conversation. No doubting Zeri's going to be in tough to, to be a finalist, but at the same time, of all rookies that have played over 10 games this year, his 0.76 points per game is second only to Connor Bedard. Yeah. If he keeps producing numbers like that, projected for 24 goals and 55 points, I think is what it is. It's hard not to have him in the mind as you're voting to 
to make him a Calder finalist. So he's he's only played the 21, so that means that he the max he can play is 72 yes. in the NHL this year. Um, so let's just quickly do 16 divided by 21 times 72. Uh, so he's on pace for 54 55. to 55 points in that, uh, in that stretch. Um, guys, if that's what he ends up at, like I don't care, and this is no disrespect to the very nice rundown Vix just gave us, I don't care. He should be in the – if he comes away – But you he, said, will he? I. But even even if – to my question, yes, he better be, I guess, is my question. 55 points as a rookie, and you don't end up as a Calder Trophy finalist, the, the voters are doing something wrong. Now, will he end up with 54, 55 points? I don't know. But – at this point, he showed no signs of slowing down. He had that one little stretch where things maybe took a step back when he was battling through that lower body injury. But I guess I, I've got faith that if a rookie puts up 55 points, he'll be in the conversation. You can't even tell. I mean, Michael Bunting was a Calder Trophy finalist, and he was like 52 years old. So, you know, I, I know that – I know – and I joke. That was a joke for the Maple Leafs fans. But he was a much older rookie. Yeah. Uh, Zary's only 21 years old, so it's not even talking – we're not even talking about a guy who's, you know, pushing the Calder Trophy limit. I think – a, he better be, and I've got faith in the voters that he will be. So what's he on pace for if he plays the rest of the games? 55. 54-55. So just to put that in perspective, remember how good Matthew Kachuk was early in his career? He had 48 points in his first season and 49 points in his second season, and he's become one of the best players in the game. So I'm not saying that Connor Zeri is the next Matthew Kachuk. They're very different players, but I, I do think that that puts into perspective how good he's been in his rookie season. I think for me, if he's going to be nominated, he'll be nominated as the third because, again, Connor Bedard, oh, if he keeps up what he's, he's doing. He's going to win it. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Brock Faber is a number one defenseman as a rookie. That's pretty significant. Nobody on the Minnesota Wild is playing more minutes than he is, and he's he's a rookie. So that's going to draw a lot of eyeballs for me. That playing as a number one at 21 or 22, whatever he is, I think, I, I still I think, think that's the stats tough. are going to have to be there to back up his time on ice. Well, plus seven on a team that's... No, no, I'm, I'm talking about goals and points, though. I still got 12 and 28 yeah, as a defenseman. I'm, those are hey, I'm, I'm not numbers. saying that he's not a really good young player. I'm just... I've got a pretty good idea of how a lot of voters think, and the first thing they look at are the stats. And maybe they don't dig enough into some of those underlying ones, like time on ice, plus minus, expected right. goals yeah, for and against, all that kind of stuff. Playing more than Spurgeon and Brodeen should... Should give him a little he's, bit of He's legs. a heck of a young player, for sure. Uh, okay, that will uh, wrap us up for Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg. Uh, that'll wrap us up this hour. Thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers back downtown. That was a spirited edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024.